Welcome to the House of She podcast. We are Kat and Kate, and we are here to discuss all things womanhood, business, birth, spirituality, mindfulness, health and wellness, and personal journeys, and so much more. Our purpose behind starting this podcast is to connect with women, building a community to support and empower each other. We know you all have so much to offer, so we're hopeful to facilitate a platform where we can all grow and learn together, expanding the circle of women within this beautiful community. Welcome back to another episode with House of She. Today, we are super pumped to have one of our really close friends, Caitlin, online with us. So we've got Kat and Kate. So our House of She, Kate, Lynn will be Kate. And then we've got our really good friend, Caitlin. Caitlin's gone through some pretty wild stuff in her lifetime and we invited her on to share that because there's some really interesting perspectives to be shared through that. But before we dive into all of that, Caitlin, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Hello, um, thank you for having me. My name is Caitlin. I am 32 years old. I'm born and bred in Mackay. Um, I'm married to Mark. We have three little boys. We live on a property out of town on 10 acres. Um, And up until recently, I was just a stay-at-home mum. My boys are four, three and nearly two. Um, But I've recently gone back to my admin job a few days a week. So just sort of getting the hang of the work-life balance. And yes. Yeah. (laughs) So you're a boy mum. And yes, I'm a boy mum. So I have Iva, <laughs> Alfie and Theo. And yeah, And they are the cutest, crazy. craziest little men in the world. And I adore <laughs> my little girls so much. Alfie is just like all the time, baby Kate, baby Kate, yeah. chasing her around, trying to kiss her and cuddle her. Like, he's yes. just divine. He's very affectionate. And how long have you guys lived out of town now? So we moved out here in October 2019. So the year that... Uh, Alfie was born we moved out here so yeah it's been a few years now and we've just we've renovated um, because a week after we moved out here we found out that I was pregnant with Theo our third baby so yeah we pretty much looked at each other and went well we're in a it was only a two-bedroom house at that point so we added (laughs) oh (laughs) Oh, shit we ain't gonna fit in here (laughs) yeah pretty much but how nice that it was your place and you could just do with it what you wanted yeah expand that's right it was yeah the stars really aligned for us when we moved out here so yeah Yeah, and the boys have the most beautiful lifestyle out there you know like they're always outdoors they're always getting around with Mark doing stuff you were even just saying before we started recording that one of the boys is out helping Mark build a fence right now yeah you know it's so cool even when Shane was there with the girls over the weekend he kept telling he keeps bringing up how they walked um did a bushwalk up to see the sunset and Lara kept telling me about it as well she's like mom we went on an adventure for the sun and so I just really admire your lifestyle out there especially for those boys just getting out into the fresh air is just amazing yeah no it is it's wonderful and I feel like we're making so many beautiful memories so yeah I'm glad we did it it was it felt like a risk at the time when we we um put the contract on but now I'm so glad that we did it yeah definitely has paid off Mm. hasn't it yeah absolutely yeah, and so we know you through, well, I know you because Mark and Dane um, grew up together. They've, I yes. think Mark's one of his, like, friends that Dane has known the longest since primary school, which is super That's cool. right. Yeah, um, right back from St. Anne's days. Yeah. Yes, but, and then, yeah. yeah, you and Mark got together and we met and we hit it off instantly. And even though we lived, um, you know, I lived away for a long time, every time we got together for something, we always ended up together. And now we live back in Mackay. I love um, how often I do get to see you, even when we have kid-free stuff. Oh, my God, it's so nice. It's really lovely, yeah. And then, you know, Kate, because, well, how how did you two meet? I don't feel like I remember the exact time that I met you. I think I just knew you, like, through mutual friends. Like, I always felt like, oh, I can't, like, I can't go and talk to her. Like, I don't know her, you know, like I felt I like always that weird. knew of you too, Caitlin. And um, it's funny. I mean, we'll get to this in the podcast, but one of my earliest memories of you is me being in hospital and I could hear you 
talking to Mark, but I couldn't see you because I couldn't see out of my eye. But I remember that was one of my earliest memories of you. And I knew I'm like, that's Kayla. I Bishop. didn't know but, that. But you would have yeah. known who I, who I was before that if, that if you could connect those dots at that time. Yeah. But that's what I mean. We didn't actually know each other. And then we I never had a been like introduction. <laughs> yeah. And then friendship groups kind of merging. And then since yes. being back, we've just had so much in common that I feel like we've yes. deep dived and we're like, oh my God, yes. I just want to talk to you for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. And then right. when I go without seeing you, I'm like, oh my God, I just need to have a big DNM with Caitlin. Know, because we're just on the same wavelength. Like, yeah. I yes. like literally lo- write a little mental list. Oh, I've got to mention that <laughs> yeah. to Caitlin. Shoot, Could she I. won't think I'm weird. She'll be really no. like, into it yes um, which I just love so it's been so Me nice too. since being yeah. back that we've really birthed a new friendship really yeah no it has um, been like you dive down the human design rabbit hole together mm-hmm. like yeah. there's quite a lot of things that you two have in common that you like to explore and like I guess just nut out and understand which is super cool are you both the yeah. same human design type These are, yeah hey. so we're, yes, both, we're fellow, both projectors yes. both fellow projectors so we just yes. get each other on a energetic level yes Um, and then I feel like Caitlin was doing some yoga one-on-ones with me for a while and like the session's an hour and then like two and a half hours would be gone because we do yoga and then we just talk and talk and talk and I'd be like we would just end up diving down this and then we'd like look at our watch and be like oh my god like we've got children like we've we've got to go like dinner's not gonna cook itself yeah I'm supposed to be getting mints on my way (laughs) yes yes well I guess you kind of touched on a little bit there um, your time in hospital and that sort of links yes. in with the reason that we have got you on to really share that story. Yeah. So I guess, Caitlin, maybe um, rewind back to 2013, I think you said, and, and just maybe explore a little bit of your experience and what exactly happened. Yeah, sure. So um, 2013, Mark and I had literally been dating a year like we, I think, so the accident occurred on the 10th of July, 2013. And Mark and I had celebrated our one year as you do um, on the <laughs> 8th. So it was, we'd literally been dating like a year. Um, my birthday was on the 6th. July's a big, um, it's funny. July's a massive month for me. It's like so many different milestones, but um, yeah. So I just celebrated my 24th birthday. I had to check this. Um, and anyway, it was a Wednesday night, I believe. And Mark had some friends back. Now, Kat, were you back? Because we all went out to dinner at no, Ribs and Brunts. You weren't I wasn't there. at the dinner. Maybe Dane, I think Dane was. I was living in Newcastle at the time because I remember getting the call that the accident had happened. Yeah. So I wasn't there. Because, and Dane must have been either. He mustn't have been home when you just went out for it. Yeah. Um, well, basically, some of Mark's friends were back in Mackay. So we'd organised this midweek dinner at Ribs and Rumps. And at the time I was living out at my parents' farm and Mark was living at Serena with his parents, but he'd just bought his first home, which settled. It's so random. It had settled that day. So um, we had sort of talked about moving into that house together, even though we'd only been dating a year, like calm down, Caitlin. But um, (laughs) anyway, (laughs) we're moving fast. So we went out to dinner and um, we were in separate cars and the dinner was lovely, you know, with friends. And then we decided to leave. So I believe it was around 9 p.m. And we got into our separate cars and we were both staying at my parents' farm that night. Um, We had work the next day, but Mark was coming to stay out there with me. And I, all I remember is Mark giving me a kiss and it was like, see you soon. And then I literally woke up in a hospital bed. It was the strangest feeling. Like I have no recollection of the events that followed whatsoever until I was laying in this hospital bed. And the weirdest part was I was told, oh, you've been here for three days. It was the strangest thing. But I like, yes, I lost consciousness on and off, but anyway, we'll, I'll rewind and tell you exactly what happened. Cause you're probably like, well, how did you end up there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so basically got to keep people on the edge of their seats. Yeah, like, oh, pretty much. Um, so basically Mark's gone off ahead of me. He's arrived at my parents' house and mom and dad were already in bed, but dad walked outside and said, um, where's Caitlin? And Mark said, oh, she shouldn't be too far behind me. Like we left, you know, around the same time, but she got a red light. 
in town. So she'll be a little bit behind me. And dad said, oh, it's just that Narelle and I are laying in bed and we just heard a huge bang at the highway. So like Mark has been driving into my parents' um, farm and at that exact time, mum and dad have heard this giant bang. And little did they know that was me getting collected by a drink driver head on. So I basically was, oh, you know, metres from my parents' turn off and a drink driver who was going 100 kilometres um, has veered into my lane and hit me head on. And basically I was in a Ford Fiesta. He was in a cruiser ute. So you can mm. imagine mm. the impact driver mm. to driver. Yeah, <laughs> it was horrific. I just got goosebumps. Like talking when you said about your dad coming out and just being like, oh, that, yeah, I just think of the feeling in his gut, like asking Mark where you were. Yeah. And of course I'm already getting upset. Um, Take your time. So, yeah, I mean, Mark and dad and then mum came out and obviously they just sat on the back patio and mum said it was like a minute past and I didn't, I didn't turn up and dad just said, get in the car, we're going out to, to check. And poor mum, she waited at the house and she said to me, they just didn't come back and she knew. Mm. It's awful. Um, sorry, I'm going to try and collect myself. Yeah, <laughs> um, take your time. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, so basically Mark and Dad, they jumped in Dad's car drove out to the highway and Mark said at first my car was that fucked that he didn't think it was me because he said oh her car doesn't look like that and then they got closer and by that time one lady had had stopped and I don't know like you know how some things are really lucky she was actually a nurse she used to be the head of the surgical ward at the base hospital so she was first on the scene so by that time she'd already called an ambulance um Mm. and she was just holding um my neck for me um but yeah I was sort of coming in and out and my my whole car was caved in on me like I was trapped my legs were completely trapped and Mark said I had a lot of blood coming from my ears which really freaked him out because obviously you know you think the worst um and Mark said like I was just groaning but just in and out of consciousness like I couldn't talk or anything Mm. um yeah and then I guess the police and the ambulance um arrived and um then they had to get the fireys to get the jaws of life to cut me from the vehicle and during that time my dad drove back to the farm and mum was just waiting there frantic and Mm. she just said it's Caitlin isn't it dad said yeah um yeah so then dad took mum back out and that's the worst like that's the part that kills me is just mum and her being there and I think too now that I'm a mother yeah, you can mm. resonate with it that resonates feeling. with me. Yeah, like mm. I think Your when baby. It, yeah, mm. way back then it was like obviously like mum mum was just a mess, but I I always understood why. But now it just really I can yeah. really resonate because I just think if that was one of my kids, you I can just feel it. what it. it oh, yeah. just that sick, disgusting feeling. Um, yeah. So then the um, fireys they cut me from the car and then they had to cut my clothes off um and like it you know I just think about all this stuff now like obviously I had have no recollection of this but just the type of person that I was back then I just used to get embarrassed over the dumbest shit that would have just been horrifying to me yeah. like mm. that the thought of being exposed like that mm. but yeah it just would have 
that would have just horrified me the fact that they cut my clothes off like cut my belly button ring out like it was just all I mean obviously no one is necessary but yeah they're not like oh she hasn't shaved in a while like no one cares yeah yeah for me it's horrifying yeah Yeah. and it's the exposure the vulnerability yeah I I completely understand Mm. where that that would come from yeah that's right um so yeah and then um they freed me from the vehicle and my dad just something that's always stuck with me my dad kept going up to the policeman and saying what about the person in the other car are they okay like like, how did this happen and the policeman put his hand on my dad's shoulder and said do not worry about him he's been drinking and then that was the first inkling that it was like oh yeah she's been hit I drink driver like it was sort of pretty obvious um way back then anyway so fast forward I'm taken to hospital I wake up in hospital but three days had passed two days had passed I was just spinning out hard they had me on ketamine which Mm. like to this day I'll never forget how that made me feel like it made me feel like I was on another planet like Mm -hmm. I just would go in and out of like extreme happiness to like crying to like I like felt like I couldn't control my jaw muscles and like I'd be like excessively yawning but like it was weird it was a strange drug but the biggest Mm -hmm. thing with ketamine I believe is it I guess helps you like I think it does you do forget like it just basically put it's like layers of pain relief to the point that you're just that zoned out out that it's spaced out stick yeah and it allows you to heal essentially so it is Mm -hmm. necessary but it was just a wild ride can I just ask at that point were you in ICU or were you on yeah yeah no so I was in ICU at that point I had um a neck brace on and I just could not move um but it's funny as much as like I was jacked up on all this ketamine, I still remember being in so much pain Mm -hmm. because my collarbones were completely um, shattered. So I guess like we could go into what my injuries were. Yeah. 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 I was just Um, thinking then I was like, what, what was the list of injuries looking like after a head on collision? So it was pretty extensive. So, um, when mum and dad were following the ambulance in mum said, she remembers saying to dad, maybe she'll just have to stay a night in hospital. Like she was just trying to like tell herself that it wasn't bad. And then um, by that point, mum and dad had rounded up my brother and sister and their partners and them and Mark were all at the hospital just in emergency like pacing because they could, like I was in the emergency ward and they could hear them like working on me. Mm. Um, And basically this head doctor came in and he just said um sorry he just said look I'll start from her head and work my way down um and mum said Mark's like Mark just put his head into his hands and he just yeah he was really upset and Mark I don't know if you guys know Mark he doesn't show emotion like he he's like very funny and always joking but like he doesn't sort of show his serious side very often Mm. so for him to just that was what my brother-in-law um my sister's husband always says he's like it's the only one time I've ever seen Mark rattled Mm. (laughs) like he just you know he's always everything's always like cruisy and yeah it's pretty high vibe and Mm -hmm. joke yeah so it was yeah it was pretty shitty times but um yeah so they said we'll start from her head and work down so I had a bleed on my brain um I had so much pressure in my skull from the swelling of my brain that it was pushing down on my optical nerve so I was losing sight in my right eye um so when I did kind of come to everything was double like I just had complete double vision and just blurry and I also had glass and um other things flick into my eye so I had like quite a few injuries to my eyeball in my right eye and to this day it's still not you know Mm. great um so working down um so I like my whole chin just completely split open because I hit the steering wheel um Mm -hmm. and my whole chin was just 
like opened up, but they stitched it all back on. Um, my right ear was actually, you wouldn't believe it. Um, it was hanging off, mm. but they reattached it and wow it, it looks fabulous like they're gonna have to investigate that next time I see yeah, you yeah you have How to have incredible. A yeah because Mark said it looks so bad like he said he remembers looking at that and thinking oh she won't be happy about she's that. not gonna <laughs> like that she's not gonna buy that you guys need to fix thing. that up because when she wakes yeah. up she you ain't gonna like that a job. yeah um, oh. there was like a big hole sort of, and yeah, it just all, it was amazing. It just all healed. So there was that. Um, so then working our way down. So I had, um, my C6 and C7 were fractured in my spine. Um, I, Caitlin, you'll understand this more than me. So I don't know anything about anything, but the little thorns that come off the side of your spine. Yeah a heap of those snapped off I don't know what that I just remember them saying that yeah uh, so so they're not like yeah they're I don't think like, it's they like, are like yeah so you've got it, like the spines you can feel down your back yes um and then there's ones that are similar that go out to the sides yes and so they're not actually like they're not actually supporting your spinal Any, cord so it's not yeah. like your spinal cord's compromised and it's just yes. like if you kind of like maybe fractured the tip of your finger for instance so it's it's still a spinal fracture yes um but I guess it's not as as bad as if if your spinal cord was compromised but it's still going to give you a lot of pain and it still needs to heal obviously yeah it's going to take three months exactly what they said it wasn't going to compromise my spinal cord like my spinal cord was completely intact thank god so that Mm -hmm. was fine um that's and massive yeah massive yes um I had quite a few fractured ribs up the right side so basically all my trauma was to the right side because mm. it was driver mm-hmm. to driver so yeah fractured ribs um my very back bottom right tooth um completely snapped off that was oh, horrendous wow. that's, that was must, so, like, that's hard to like so painful <laughs> yeah. yeah I guess if your chin was impacted then your jaw would have just like smashed. yes smashed yeah, yeah. So that was awful. Um, moving down. Oh, and that would have I, even just felt terrible the like, to run your tongue over as well. Like Correct. in your mouth. And, yeah. And they didn't know that it had happened until like a long time later. So I just kept whinging and everyone's like, what's wrong? Like every time I'd eat something cold or um, hot, like they were spoon feeding me and I'd be like, ah, and no one understood what was going on. Yeah. yeah so we discovered yeah. that later. So that was quite funny, but um. Yeah, so there was those and then I tore my liver open, um, which is not ideal. Um, so, yeah, I was getting regular um, blood tests just to check my liver function. Do they have that operate on your liver? No. So it, it, it actually heals amazingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it actually healed itself, which, yeah, was fascinating. Mm. Um, um, oh, I've completely bypassed a really big one um I had a collapsed lung on Mm. the right side so that was my most horrific like catastrophic I guess injury because my whole lung was deflated and that Mm -hmm. was what Teresa the nurse who was first on the scene she said she thought I was going into cardiac arrest at the scene because she said she could see my chest caving in Mm. so that was major were you were you on a ventilator or were you breathing for yourself? Um, no, they didn't put me on a ventilator. They were going to put me in an induced coma. So that's pretty much, I don't know anything about anything. Was that pretty much so if they would in, put me in induced coma? They would induced coma is just like be, more, more sedatives so that you stay asleep so that you don't feel you the can, pain and it gives your body just a chance to be still and really recover. Okay. Um, when they put you on a ventilator, a tube goes into your mouth. And yeah, then the, no. the machine's like breathing for breathing you. I just thought you. because your lung was collapsed, they might have gone to that. But if your other lung was doing enough of the work yeah. that they that it could sustain you, then they would well, try to avoid putting you on that if they didn't didn't have to, because then they've got to wean you off. And well, they did yeah. something with your lung. I, they I read. did. That's what I was just gonna say. The first thing they did, um, and this is like still haunts me to this day. It's horrific. They did a pneumothorax, so they yeah. did like an incision in my armpit, and 
stuck like a huge bit of hose in between Mm. my ribs and were basically just draining all the fluid and blood Mm -hmm. um, to try and reinflate that lung. And Mm -hmm. I hated that. I hated like it was So did you still, how long did you have that in? Oh, well, I remember getting it taken out. So So I was definitely complete days. Well, yeah, I was definitely with it when they took it out because it was horrible. It was yeah. just disgusting. Yeah. Um, oh, it makes so, me get a little shiver up my spine, the thought of like, the tube like yeah, it's, coming it's, out. Yeah, it's an awful procedure. Yuck. Um, and then they sort of just like, because there's just a big hole left there and they just do like a big stitch. I've got a really awful scar actually where that was. It was nasty um yeah so there was my collapsed lung and then um I had broken my pelvis in four places so I didn't shatter my pelvis but I it was um cracks so there Mm -hmm. was four cracks in my pelvis and I broke my hip socket which gives me pain like that gave me a lot of pain in pregnancy and then even just today at certain times of the month Mm -hmm. it gives me pain yeah Mm -hmm. um and then just a lot of superficial um, cuts and bruising. So yeah. I had, like, I'd never had a stitch before that or a broken bone before that accident. Yeah. And then it was just like Got a lot of cuts in one night. Yeah. So yeah. lots of stitches. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty much, yeah, that was pretty much it. The collapsed lung was like the major one that they were sort of worried about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and like even um the your collarbones being shattered and your pelvis mm-hmm. being cracked like I just imagine the recovery yeah of that would be huge so maybe start telling us a little bit about how you even come back from a list of injuries like that well so um once I got out of ICU I was then taken to the surgical ward because they decided that my collarbones were so badly displaced um that if they were just because often with um fractured collarbones they just leave them and I think they just strap your arms to your Mm -hmm. chest and allow them to heal on their own but I had bits of bone like floating around like it was disgusting they were so um terribly displaced that a surgeon came and saw me one day and just said we have no choice we need to operate and so they it was a four-hour operation and my, apparently my dad just paced the hallways of oh. the hospital like mm. freaking out yeah <laughs> um but I tell you what when I woke up from that operation I have never felt so much relief in my entire oh, wow. life pain wise it was unbelievable and like Mark said I kept trying to like use my arms just normally like I was just like throwing them around the difference like, yeah yeah it was unreal. and so what did they actually do they put plates in or yeah so big titanium is it titanium I think yeah I don't yeah. know yeah yeah big plates. um I've got the x-rays it's pretty cool there's like big plates and screws in there and wow. the best thing that they could have done yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so you would have been really happy that that Oh, that was one thing down that you're like, okay, that's feeling better. And so what did they move on to once the collarbone surgery was? Then, um, oh, so, um, so I then had, they had to get the lung drain out. That was horrible. It was just Uh, awful. I remember the doctor doing it actually. Um, yeah, I remember Elise was there. My, my, one of my friends, you both know Elise, she'd come to visit. And I remember she was there when they took it out. She walked out, she left the room, but they took it out. And then stitched it back up. But it was just awful. Like it just mm. felt like a big snake coming. And there's lots of nerves around there. I don't know. It just wasn't very nice. It was yeah. awful. But obviously very necessary. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so were you they, were you wearing a um a neck collar still? Do they want to yeah, keep you in so, that to let everything settle? Yeah. So I wore my neck collar pretty much. I don't think I got to take that off until I was down in the rehab ward. So I was in hospital like um I was in the hospital two days short of a month and mm-hmm. I don't think I took that neck brace off until I got down into the rehab ward and I think I was in rehab for maybe a week yeah. so yeah it was like because I ended up um with like um a pressure sore in the back mm-hmm. of my 
head as which I think mm. is probably pretty common and completely lost like I had a big bull patch in the back of my head wow. just from laying on my back for so long mm-hmm. um another thing was obviously when I was put into hospital they put a catheter in because mm-hmm. I was unable to go to the toilet and when it came time to take the catheter out it's like I'd forgotten how to wee and so I had a full bladder like they took it out and so I was like fine and then I was drinking drinking had a full bladder and then they were going to lift me yeah they were going to lift me onto a toilet seat uh like a wheelchair toilet seat over the toilet they tried to do that and I just couldn't wee but I had this really full bladder and Mm -hmm. I started to panic and they ended up putting the catheter back in so I had it a little bit longer Mm -hmm. um yeah, so that was another kind of another weird. layer. Yeah, another and layer. Can I ask sure. how long from when you had your accident was it before you could like sit up on the edge of the bed or sit in a wheelchair um, or sit on the toilet? So that would have been three weeks. It was three mm-hmm. weeks because I know this. Ah, uh, sorry, it wasn't three weeks. No, no, it was only two because mm-hmm. um, it's like sorry, this was something that really rattled me as well I so I have problems like at the best of times I'm not someone who can go to the toilet in front of people like Mm. I'm just not that like Mark is discussing he can just sit there and like talk to me (laughs) with the ensuite door open I could never do that like I could barely go to the toilet being in the same house as him let alone (laughs) him standing there in front of me so they were bringing a bedpan in every day because I was flat mm. on my back and they're trying to put this pan under me and telling me that I need to do a poo because they like take note of all your, you know, yeah. movements and everything. And yeah, I had yeah. not gone to the toilet. And I said to them, it's not going to happen. I'm telling you now, it is not going to happen. Anyway, it got that out of control that I ended up with fecal impactation. So that's where there's just like this solid Build mass. Up. Mm. And then I had like overflow. So like they had blue pads underneath me because they were pumping me with laxatives. They were um, giving me enemas and nothing was working. And it was just horrendous. And as I said before, like I was what, 24. I was Mm -hmm. different back then, just like really embarrassed. Like, you know, just it like was, self-conscious you know your dignity so you're a woman yeah yeah oh, your dignity's out the window you're like completely exposed and like people yeah. telling you you have to like move yeah. your house. you have to do a poo it's like like yeah there's just so many layers to that like the pressure it, and then right. the embarrassment and like just like feeling so exposed it's like oh, there's a lot there awful. And then I was on the contraceptive pill at the time and I obviously, you know, abruptly stopped taking it. So I got a withdrawal bleed. So then I started my period and I still remember. While you're in hospital, in a bed. While I was in hospital. And I remember saying to Mark, my tummy is hurting. I think I'm getting my period. And I said, can you check? And I remember him looking and saying, no, you're fine. And then my friend who's a nurse at the base, she came in and I'm like, Ellie, I think I have my period. And she said, oh, here, I'll have a look. And she's like, yeah, you do. And she ran and got um, pads. But again, they just had to put pads underneath me. Like it was just awful. Mm. Like your dignity. Yeah, it was just Mm. horrible. Um, So, yeah, there was that. And then they finally sat me up. And that was a game changer because then they allowed me to sit on a toilet seat over Mm. the toilet with privacy. Get the angles right. Exactly. (laughs) Gravity is everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So then I was able to go to the toilet and I tell you what, my mood went from like zero. So yeah, it was just the greatest thing ever. Um, So yeah. Taking taking your wins where you can. Hey, today's a good day. Today's a good day. Mm -hmm. My bowels opened. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So um, that was great. Um, And then once that happened, then they're like, they unhooked all of my drips and everything. And they were just giving me oral pain relief and said that I was allowed to move down to the rehabilitation ward. And yeah, that felt like a bit of a milestone for me because Mm. yeah, I just, I'd been on my back with this horrible neck brace and yeah, it was 
just really sad. I just used to lay there really, just really down. It was yeah. awful. And, and so at this point you're, yes, you're unable to walk still. Yeah. Still unable to walk. So and what about I your actually, arm function? Arm function was not too bad. Like I still had, um, big bandages across my clavicles like my collarbones um and I was still very tender but I actually used to go down to the um like the gym every day and see a really lovely physio down there I've talked to Caitlin about her before Mm. she was um wonderful and she actually used to massage me and like because I had the most horrific muscle knots in my back like it was like disgusting because I think I just tensed up so much in the accident Mm. and she used to massage me and yeah release all that so that was really good um and just do different exercises um, just trying to get me back to near normal. I guess. So what was the rehab ward like? Like what's, what's the difference between that and the surgical ward? Like? Well, so surgical was literally like I was in a neck brace on my back. I had nurses tending to me all the time rehab. I had a lot more freedom. So by that yeah. point I was in a wheelchair. I was able to transfer myself with a, Caitlin, you might be able to help me. Is it like a slide board? Yep. Is yeah. So it's like yeah. So it's just board. like a little board that you sort of shuffle your I, bum along to get from yeah. like the bed to the wheelchair or the so wheelchair to my, the toilet seat. Yeah. So I'd put my slide board from my bed to my wheelchair, and I'd like slide down onto my wheelchair, and I could go like outside, like. Imagine Dan bought Navi, like they brought a puppy up to the hospital. Like my Mm -hmm. friends brought a puppy up to the hospital. We went out to the courtyard and played with this puppy. Like I was in Mm. my wheelchair, obviously. So I had a bit more freedom. But Um, you couldn't, you couldn't self, like you couldn't propel the wheelchair yourself though. You still needed someone to push you around. You know, I tried, but I just had no strength. I, Mm. it was just like, I, all my um, muscle, everything, every bit of muscle, not that I was overly muscly, but any kind of muscle tone, I swear it wasted away within a week. I was just mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's not used. Yeah. Oh, it was awful. Like I just had no strength and I would just get so tired. I wasn't eating much. I just wasn't hungry because I wasn't really exerting. Like I was just, mm-hmm. yeah, it was strange. Um, but yeah, so I'd go down to the gym, do my exercises. And, and is that where go- they were teaching you to walk again down there? Um, no, that I couldn't. Um, so they didn't let me do that again until two months after the accident. So that was quite like, yeah, I was in a wheelchair for eight weeks. And did you, um, when you went home, you were still in the wheelchair and did you go yeah. home to your parents or home? To no, Mark's so this new place? was interesting. So, um, an occupational therapist would go, they had to go and assess where I wanted to, to, you know, do out the rest of my rehabilitation and my parents farm, the house was like split level. So it had stairs Uh, and that just was not going to work. Like dad would have to carry me to the shower mm -hmm. and that's just not going to happen. That's not ideal. Um, anyway, Mark's, I don't know if you remember me saying at the start, Mark's house had settled the day of the accident. Yeah. And so, um, it was a double story house, but the plan was always to live underneath and renovate upstairs. Mm-hmm. So we'd be living downstairs anyway. So he made it all like schmick. It was quite sweet Aww. and like set everything up. And the occupational therapist came to the house and she approved it. So, um, yeah, so just like just under a month in hospital and I got to move um, in with Mark. But I think that was a massive step for us because I was – obviously had just you know come out the other side of a really horrific trauma and mm-hmm. we hadn't been dating that long and you know his life was still going on as normal he was going to work every day and I yeah. was just at this house in a wheelchair um mm-hmm. so yeah it was it was tough yeah mm. and I, I remember you saying to me at one point Caitlin that you felt like you were like in quite a rush to get out of hospital Yes. Um, you just wanted to like get out and like kind of get on with life. Like, I guess looking back, do you, do you think that staying would have like benefited you or do you think that you really, well, I guess you just do what you had to do at the time? Um, do you know, I don't think it would have hurt for me to stay a little bit longer. Um, but at the same time, 
I just I hated it in there. Like yeah. the, the yeah. mentally, you needed to move on. Mentally, yeah. you probably could have hung around. But I probably could have hung around. Yeah. But the nurses, the staff were beautiful. We had mm. like I could not speak highly enough of mm-hmm. um, of the hospital. They were fantastic. But for me, I just in my head felt that I was going to get better getting home and you know mm-hmm. getting back to normal um but then when I got home I realized the days were long and, and lonely it actually reminded me like it was no different to when I first became a mom like just mm-hmm. being at home except it's different when you're a mom you have a baby but I was just well I had a isolated. puppy head. yeah just isolated and just angry and in a wheelchair so I was just used to wheel up and down up and down up and down and like I'd get angry and yeah it was like a really bitter um period and so you've, you've gone home you're still not walking yet what how what does it look like actually getting up and taking those first steps were you going back to the hospital or was someone coming to see you at home um, so I had um, people coming and seeing me at home. I actually had another horrible episode of constipation. <laughs> so yeah. I had nurses have to come and give me an enema at home. It was really delightful. Um, so, yeah, I had nurses coming and seeing me and then I was booked in for that eight-week mark um, for x-rays and then they would send them to the orthopedic surgeon he would assess them and then if he was happy with them then I would go to the physio um to take my first steps and yeah that happened um on that day which was amazing I've got photos of that actually like taking yeah. those first steps again Caitlin was there that day <laughs> the next room I was. at work yeah I remember I, I was like oh I really want to like going to like cheer you on but then I was like I don't know her I don't know her like even when you were on the ward like I knew you were there and I was like oh like you know I just should have come and seen me yeah I felt like I felt like I wanted to come and be like oh like but then what do you say like I'm here for you like you're I was just a random person but I think because we're just (laughs) the same age yeah yeah Yeah, Yeah. we're the same age and you'd gone through like such a big accident and big recovery that like yeah yeah and like you would have only been 23 at the time Kate Bishop yes and so imagine like the the women we are now if you and Kate Spay still didn't know each other the woman you are now at 31 would go into someone that you didn't know and and, then pop your head in but because you're a 23 year old woman you're like oh yes I don't know what I'm doing yeah yeah, like I was I don't know what you think I'm like yeah I don't want to like make you feel more uncomfortable (laughs) no I I do remember that day in the outpatient gym and just being like quietly like little cheerleader like oh my gosh she's doing it she's up look at her go like yeah yeah Yeah, that was so yeah yeah because it was just the best feeling because it's like yes like I can walk again and yeah they gave me crutches I ditched them straight away like that's terrible like I mean and that's the thing that just showed my maturity level too like I just wasn't you know now I'd be like no do it properly Caitlin but back then I was like no fuck this and like your drive to just be to be better and to yeah I I don't think that's wild to to have done no, you just want to sort of move past it and feel as, yeah. as normal as you can. Exactly. And then like once I did that. What was, then, oh, sorry. What you was go. your, sorry, what was your pain like sort of returning to walking? Like obviously you ditched the crust crutches, so you mustn't have been too um, uncomfortable. But were you still on lots of painkillers or? I was. And, you know, it was horrific. Um, it's, it felt like you know if like I don't go to the gym so I don't know why I'm saying this but like you know if you do a big workout at the gym or you do a workout Mm. and then two days later that aches and pains it felt like that but in the calf muscles of my legs my calves have never hurt so much and that was just from getting up walking again um yeah so it was like um yeah just everything had wasted away so it was just building that all up again so I went and bought a treadmill and I'd just get on the treadmill every single day and just try and build because I I don't know you probably I probably told you both um this before about myself I love walking like I walk twice a day every day out at our property here I've always been massive into my walking um so that was the the goal was to get back to my my walks but yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. 
it was slow. I, I don't know where you used to live before you moved out of town, but I also have a memory of you walking <laughs> down Bridge, down Bridge yeah, Road. that's where I used to live. Yeah, near yeah. basketball, Everybody, like with the pram. Yeah. Yes. And you were just like striding it out. And I also <laughs> remember being like, oh, my God, look at her just walking so good like, because I'd obviously known yeah the process yeah. and just been like oh, yeah. look at her just speed walking along with her cap on um, yeah yeah and so so, with yeah, your, so you started walking again and so with your pelvis having been broken what were the implications yeah. when you wanted to start your family um so because I didn't shatter it um it had like I'd had x-rays obviously after the accident and then before they got me out walking and they were very happy with how it all healed yeah um but it was just pretty much a see how you go kind of set up so pretty much if I was to run into you know like I was having lots of pain or they were concerned about anything then yeah. we'd cross that bridge when we came to it but everything was okay I got a lot of pain with all three boys when I got to 20 weeks but it was sciatica, but I'm sure that can happen to anybody. Like the physio even said that she couldn't say that that was definitely because I'd had a car accident. She said, obviously yeah. it probably wasn't helping, but she said lots of women experience this during pregnancy. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, I wouldn't say that it had much of an impact at mm-hmm. all. Um, something that did have an impact though is so three days after I got up walking I was walking from the like downstairs little kitchenette area to the bathroom and there was French glass doors and it was night time and I could because the lights were on I could see my reflection and I just like glanced and went holy shit my left leg looks double the size of my right anyway I like touched my calf and it was just tight like really tight and quite warm and I'm like that's weird and I rang my dad and my dad just said no that's not that doesn't sound right so he rang his one of his really close friends who's a GP in Mackay and he got me straight into the MARTA for a scan and sure enough my whole left so from my left knee to my groin was just full of blood clots it was like extensive deep vein thrombosis wow so, and so this uh, this happened what like um six so eight this post weeks, and this is the shittest part so like I was on this massive high and then it was like you're going back to hospital <laughs> yeah. yeah so I got put back into the base and that's when yeah I lost it <laughs> like your mental health just really plummeted. Oh, yeah that was really hard yeah um yeah, that was shit. That was a big slap in the face because, yeah. Um, and I it just felt like you'd taken a step backwards oh, again. Massive. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, I thought, like, I'd done so well to get to that point. And then, yeah, it was just back to – and I didn't know much about clots and I felt like everyone around me was really panicking, but I didn't feel any sense of panic. I just said, oh, I just don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah, like, you're just devastated mm, that, you're, just that you're back there. It doesn't matter yeah, what the cause. Was, and so yeah, did, was, how, did you need surgery or did they just put you on blood thinners and that kind um, of resolved it? Or? No, so um, as it was when I was in hospital initially, they were giving me heparin injections, which mm-hmm. is just a preventative, but obviously... <laughs> you know, when you're laying on your back, like I'd had a massive trauma to my pelvis laying on my back, the blood was just pooling in that area. Like yeah. it was inevitable really. Um, and even when we left, like dad asked the doctors, like, should she be taking blood thinners? And they're like, no, mm. it's fine. So I just didn't take anything. And then, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I got put back in, they were giving me clexane injections, um, mm-hmm. in my stomach um and they are not nice clexane mm. like out of all the um blood thinning methods i've had clexane were the nastiest like they feel like a bee sting they're awful but um mm. i think started... i had clexane after my c-section with lara you would have definitely mm. yeah we can make like a little hard lump underneath where the injection goes <laughs> yes. yes i know because i then had to do it for all three pregnancies and i was the worst I'd make a terrible junkie I was the worst injector you've ever seen in your life I had these horrible marks all over my belly um but anyway yeah so they gave me quite sane and then and this oh sorry you go Caitlin how long were you in 
in for that that time? Um, so I was in the base hospital for a couple of days and then because my parents, like I was still on their private health and they had top cover. And so the base hospital was just a zoo at that point. Like they had no beds. Um, they were, you know, really struggling. And so mum said, oh, they asked if we had private health and mum said, yes. And they said, oh, we'll transfer you over to the MARTA. So then I got to go over to the MARTA, which was a lot quieter and because mm-hmm. I was in such a shitty headspace I think it was probably the best thing ever because then I ha- was just in a private room I had a private room at the base but it was just a lot quieter and, yeah yeah and so you uh, just mentioned your mental health then like yes I mean how how often at the hospital were they were they checking on that and how often was someone seeing you looking yes. at, you know, physically they're doing a lot right but what was happening on the mental side of support so they had, um, I still remember both these girls, these, they were beautiful psychologists and they would come and see me. I feel like they were seeing me nearly every day. It was like constant. Mm. And I actually wrote my victim impact statement from my hospital bed. Um, and it was really powerful because then I let them read it and they were like, oh, they were really grateful that I let them read it and everything. And they I, to this day, I think they were a massive part of my recovery. Mm. Um, yeah, because they were there, I guess, in the thick of it. Um, mm-hmm. And then when I was released from hospital, I was given a referral to a private psychologist. Um, actually, I had two psycho. I went to two psychologists and I even went to a psychiatrist. Like it was, yeah, it was pretty full on. But yeah, I think out of every injury my mental health was the thing that suffered the most Mm. um that was the hardest by a mile you know it's you think like all these terrible things happened physically but mentally was that was the hardest hurdle to overcome yeah 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 what sort of stuff if you don't mind sharing would yeah would they work on with you were they giving you like strategies or were you just like talking about you know, what had come up for you that week or? Well, so behind, like behind the scenes and like, I haven't really touched on this um, yet in this podcast, but basically I was hit by a drink driver and he made it pretty clear from the get-go that he was not going to apologize. Um, And he then went on to plead not guilty. So he decided to fight the charge despite there being overwhelming evidence and it was like an open shut case Mm -hmm. he still decided to take that direction and that really affected me um Mm -hmm. I think just I suppose like how I've been raised like you know if you fuck up own up to it kind of thing and Mm -hmm. there was just zero remorse like there was just nothing and like mm-hmm. I remember being in hospital and thinking oh maybe he'll come and you know say sorry to me or maybe he'll write me a letter or he'll track me down on Facebook and it was just crickets there was just mm-hmm. nothing yeah. and I think the psychologist helped me wrap my head around like someone can yeah and do just, that <laughs> and by me dwelling on that the only person that was losing out was me because Mm. his, like, I was not even on his radar. His Mm -hmm. whole, you know, thought process was how am I going to get myself out of the shit? It was like, Mm. not, Oh, I've nearly killed this young girl, put Mm. her family through hell. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, the psychologist gave me, I guess, coping mechanisms and um, you know, a lot of it was like breathing techniques, meditation, um, diverting my thoughts because I would just get into, like, as I said, when I was, you know, at home in the wheelchair, I would just wheel up and down and just think. Mm, yeah, about. you said you get really, really angry as oh, well. and it's funny, like my, um, is it my not self theme for human design is bitterness and yeah. oh, I agree 100% with that <laughs> because I have potential to be so bitter it's mm-hmm. like my first go-to with anything when shit doesn't go my way like I get so bitter and mm-hmm. that's how I was for a really long time yeah so yeah um and 
yeah, I guess the psychologist would just teach me how to, yeah, it was just perspective. And once, once I gained a different perspective, I swear things just changed dramatically for me. Like once I realized I just started taking the good from the bad, like, Mm -hmm. okay, Caitlin, you didn't die. You Mm. know, I was able to have three children naturally. I, Mm -hmm. you know, it was, I went on to marry Mark. I went on, you know, we built a really lovely life together. Like just take the good Mm. from the bad because I could have just dwelled on the terrible things, but it just would have got me nowhere. So yeah. Yeah. Just just acknowledge and accept acceptance and surrendering. Because I think, I think you need to sit in it though. Like you can't always Mm. be like, Oh, well, at least I survived. It's like, no, Mm. I've got lifelong issues. And yeah. So sometimes, Sometimes you will need to, to dwell on it, but as long as it's not stopping you from living your life, I think. And not consuming me like it not was consuming back then. Me. Like, yeah. yeah. Like it and used I, to be all I could talk about and I'd be mm. the person who'd have a few drinks and then I'd be DNMing and crying about that's my That's what accident. would come like, up for you still oh, processing just so much. It. And it just gets too much. It's like, all right time to move on <laughs> like yeah, it's fun. yeah not saying it's not valid and whatnot but it just yeah I needed to to take a different direction because it mm. was consuming me and essentially how long do you think it took you to really flick that switch or to feel like you were seeing it from a different light I honestly reckon not until like the year we got married because that was when the compensate so like there was how do I explain it so there was the um like the criminal side. So, oh, I haven't even touched on this. I had to then go to court. So because he decided Mm -hmm. to plead not guilty, um, I had to go to court and I actually had to take the stand twice, which was fucking terrifying. It's just really (laughs) dragging you back through it. Just drag me through the shit some more. Mm. Like, yeah, you're a great person. But, yeah, so I had that was terrifying for me and, like, I had fantastic family support but it was just bringing everything up again Mm -hmm. and so I truly believe nothing like I wasn't able to move on until that was closed was closed and so that would have been I feel like it was like in the early months of 2016 so Mm -hmm. it was yeah nearly three years after the fact yeah yeah yeah. I just remember being really, really blown away because it was my first exposure to a friend going through such um, a vicious accident. Yeah. Uh, also my first exposure to the, um, justice, the justice system. system. Yeah. And I just remember being really blown away at the, at the injustice of it. And yes. I remember just being like, I don't un- like, I don't, I fully don't understand how this is carrying on for three. Like I just, I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand it. Anyway, sorry, back back to what you were saying. No, yeah. There was a criminal part and the compensation part. Yeah. So basically um, because he was drunk and nearly killed me, I was entitled um, to compensation. So we um, we did that through, through a private solicitor. So there was mm-hmm. that. And then there was also the criminal side, which again, like, so just I'm sure everyone would know this but if he had have pleaded guilty um obviously I wouldn't have had to go to court it just he would have been you know served whatever punishment and it would have been done and dusted but because he decided to fight it um and it was serious so it was he got charged with um dangerous driving causing grievous bodily harm and he was uh, 0.157 so he was I believe nearly three times over the legal mm. limit yeah and so because of that it went to the district court so like there was you know the judge the jury it was like the whole shabam mm. and his whole I guess like technique or his barrister's technique was to try and get off on a technicality so like getting off on a technicality is basically just trying to find a loophole where somebody hasn't crossed their t's and dotted their i's so it was Mm -hmm. just an absolute asshole move Mm. and I will say that till the day I die that it was a dick move and Mm -hmm. it was a horrendous thing to Mm. do yeah Yeah. 
So <laughs> that went on for three years. So there was, yeah, it just felt like I was just getting dragged through the shit constantly and I just could not move on. Yeah. 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 Um, and after all- the compensation, sorry, I just want to close the door on it. So after the compensation came through, what was, what was the, was there closure? You're going to share a bit more on that side of it. Yeah. So um, I'm just trying to think. So the compensation, that door didn't close until that wasn't until way after we got married. Um, so Mark and I got engaged then in 2015. And then I remember um, we got married in 2016 and the criminal case. So that was finalized in the early months of that year. It was like mm-hmm. 13, like I think it was like well, 15 weeks out from our wedding that it got all finalized. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously he was found guilty and jailed. Um, rightfully so Um, Mm -hmm. and then the compensation case was finalized that Christmas actually yeah so it was like that over the Christmas New Year period Um, and then once that was all sort of done and dusted I kind of finally felt like I could breathe and just move on Um, Mm -hmm. yeah and then we were married by that point and then that's when we decided to start trying for a family Um, but I do think when I had my boys, I like especially Ivor, he was a particularly hard baby. Um, he had reflux and he just screamed day and night, to be honest with you. It was really hard for the first three months. And I, um, and yeah, just those were really rough sort of initial days for me becoming a mum. And I do think that I had still that like I was still holding on to that previous trauma and then it came up again when I had him if that makes sense yeah Yeah, absolutely it re-triggered a lot of things for you like you're saying that isolation unable to control yes because I remember Mm -hmm. thinking when I was home alone with him this is how it felt when I was home alone after the accident weird thought yeah no I think it took you back there yeah yeah and when you when your resilience is down that's that is what happens. It triggers mm-hmm. other things yeah, in you. And yeah, okay. completely resonate. You have this new mum taking home this baby. You have no fucking idea what you're doing. Yeah. And all he does <laughs> and then having scream. a tough baby on top and all of he that. does is, is <laughs> and scream, which is yeah. triggering in itself, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like remember even my mum being like, Oh, he's not very happy, is he? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I guess even though you did all that time with the psychologist and, and obviously yes. did process and things, and then it sounds like that was triggering, I guess, PTSD wise, do, do yeah. you, does anything like, do you have any nightmares or is there anything else that triggers things to come back up or is everything fairly, um, fairly settled since then? I think like in terms of post-traumatic stress, like I, definitely they like they diagnosed that they diagnosed me sorry with that back then but since then I feel like everything is I like I think I'm pretty calm now and I've you know come to terms with everything um the only real issue that I still have is that there was no apology but Mm. that's not causing me stress as such it's just more like I guess you're uh, holding on you're still holding on to that I'm still holding on to it yeah I am like I and I mean get over it Caitlin he's not going to apologize like that's I get that but yeah I just think wow like Mm. there are actually people out there that are like Mm, that that. it was an eye-opener for me yeah I think before that accident I was a bit naive and just yeah sort of was sunshine and rainbows yeah yeah and I know (laughs) that you have certain um certain things that sometimes like you know we'll, we'll be hanging out and you'll be like yeah I think I'm due to go back and see the psychologist again because this is yes. sort of coming up for me and so you, you're, yeah. you're pretty aware yeah around your mental health because yeah. you know post-accident because of the dark places you've been so I yeah. just really like and what I've learned from you from what you've learned has just been yeah, for my own mental health support too, being aware of my own triggers has been really, really incredible. And even you yeah. sharing your story today, there's so mm. much that I didn't know or that I'd forgotten along the way about it. Yeah, I think I'd probably forgotten some bits mm-hmm. too. And then, yeah, I, um, yeah, but I mean, when you like 
triggered me. I'm like, oh, I absolutely, yeah, it all comes back. It's, yeah, it's still there. I think, yeah, as I said, like it's just I've changed my perspective, mm. and yeah, I, I'm not like it's not stop. I'm not. It's not stopping me from. I guess being, you know, living my life and being mm-hmm. happy and enjoying yeah. my husband, enjoying my children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, and it's taught, and like to take, again, to take the good from the bad. Um, one thing I have really thought about over and over is it has definitely, it's going to shape me to be a better parent because mm-hmm. I have three sons. They're not perfect. Chances are one of them or maybe all three are going to fuck up at some point because that's where it's inevitable. We're human. Mm. But I know there is no way that I will be handling if they do, you know, they will be owning up to their their mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to handle it the way the other party handles yeah, it. Yeah, you're really aware of instilling it's those morals aware in them. Because I put myself in both sets of shoes whereas I truly believe they didn't like I don't yeah. think he put himself in my shoes at any point but I put myself in his shoes his shoes because a lot of people would say things like oh but you know if your son does that you do anything to keep them out of jail no I'm sorry yeah I've been on the receiving end of that behavior yeah there's no mm-hmm. way <laughs> yeah They'll you don't want to put that trauma on to someone for the rest of their life you understand that there is a consequence that's to, right to your actions and yeah and you have to yeah. teach your kid your kids good values so yeah yeah well I mean in an in an hour and 15 we've covered something that's been a nine-year journey for you so there's, there's going to be huge huge gaps but I mean we've covered yeah. the big the big chunks of it but yes. maybe it's something that again in in six months time we'll come back on and re-explore some of the areas that we realized that we missed or just check in with how how your yeah. journey is going and getting an update because yeah like I said that is a huge nine year journey to kind of cover and again in my life in my circle you are the only one to have walked a path anything like yours Kate and I just love you and admire your strength Thank you. <laughs> Thank so you. fucking much and uh, yeah I just yeah giving you so much love and gratitude thank you guys and sorry and for all the tears no <laughs> no do not apologize you did well you did well you to, did to keep it to the level that you did <laughs> you really regrouped and thank I you. just been reflecting Caitlin on um you having said to me more than once that you feel like this was always going to be part of your journey and that it's yes. been a part of your story for a reason and that this is your I think so your path to walk and I just think the way that you've just spoken about it today and and shed so much light on such an intense experience Mm. um vulnerable experience yeah such a vulnerable experience and um yeah really not holding back and just being real and raw about how rough it's been and and the lessons that you've learned along the way so we're really really grateful that you you really wanted to come on and share with us because thank you yeah you were I was so open to it from the moment that we were like you know, I was <laughs> like oh you don't have to but I just I just thought and you're like yeah no I'm ready I'm ready to share <laughs> yeah, and I was like, yeah okay, which is, all right. I haven't really ever talked about it in so much depth before like it's not like mm. I sit and talk to Mark about it yeah yeah. yeah and he's got so his I perspective almost, on it as well whereas we we don't we yeah won't. yeah and I think no. also for me just being someone that works in the hospital to really hear what it feels like to be a patient like we're going from one room to the other and like obviously we try to treat everyone like a real person but you know it becomes normal for us to see the injuries and to see the the damage so it's it just really highlights to me that we really need to look at that whole person and really just like you just said, put yourself in that person's in their shoes. shoes and yeah, 100%. and really just give them the empathy that that they deserve because they've, they've you know they're on a rough road. Like no one's in hospital. Oh yeah, because they're well. So that's thank right. you for just opening my eyes that little bit more to that because I think that's yeah, really really welcome. important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been therapeutic. <laughs> <laughs> well, we love you very much. Thank you. Yes, we I do. love you guys too. Thank you for having thank me. Thank you, Caitlin. <laughs>